Coming up on Tech News Today, the playbook is killing RIM. YouTube uses a squirrel to try to teach you copyright, and the Apple TV is coming this year. The actual TV. At least that's what an analyst says. All that and more coming up. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Thursday, April 14th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com slash TNT. And by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Aya Zaktar. I'm Jason Owl. And that is going to be good enough for you today. No yep, guests. We're done. Just us. Like a family sitting down uh, at the table. Tom, I like your outfit. Sunday dinner. for a feast of tech news. Jason, how was your morning? I was. It was okay. What, do you really want to know the specifics of the morning? No. Our okay. first story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our first story is is Google. Uh, Larry Page had his first earnings call. <laughs> so how did he do? I was busy doing iPad today, so I wasn't uh, um, able to listen. He in. Uh, he was on for two minutes. And really? <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, and then like he handed it over to uh, Patrick Pichette, which actually is is pretty typical. Eric Schmidt is never on the call for very long either. Although people were expecting because this was his first one, they might get a little more of him. I was, two minutes seems sort of curt. He said, "I'm very excited about Google and our momentum, and I'm very optimistic about our future. My our team has really hit the ground running with the changeover from CEO Eric Schmidt. Everything's working very well, exactly as we had planned. I'll see you later." Is that how it sounded? I. It's possible. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Larry's not, Larry's not a, he's not a big dynamic speaker. Never has been. He's a dynamic doer. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's behind the <laughs> he's scenes a daring overlord. Doer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the meat of the matter, uh, Google revenue rose 29%. It was $6.54 billion, up from $5.06 billion the same period a year ago. However, earnings per share came in at $8.08. Uh, while that's up from $6.76 during the comparable period a year ago, uh, analysts had expected it to, to be $8.10 or $8.11, depending on who you ask. So a couple cents per share. If you've got a million shares, you could make a big deal. So Google stop is, pl- is plummeting. Yeah, and after, and after hours, hours trading. trading, it's down like 5% or something like that. Wow. But the, the numbers don't look too bad, really, for the long-term health of Google. I mean, they had a, they did, had a huge hiring bid, binge of like 6,000 uh, people. Uh, that's a reason why their revenue was down a bit, because they were spending so much in, in, uh, in, well, in personnel. I'm they, very excited about how Google's doing. Oh, that's right. Because of the, uh, we couldn't hear the audio because everything was on Windows Media. Well, that was the other weird thing about this earnings call. Usually it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And this time you had the options of Real Player or Windows Media. Really? No HTML5 option. Chrome was shut out. At least I was shut out with uh, my Mac. You know, I know how these things go. Having been around earnings calls at CNET, where stuff just gives out at the last minute that you thought was going to work. So it, it's very likely that that's just a bad coincidence, but it was kind of annoying. Uh, but yeah, as, as you're saying, analysts uh, were really drilling Google over their 54% increase in expenses. Well, now, I, 
there was the story recently that they were paying uh, executives a lot of money not to jump ship and go to places like Twitter, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, more, they gave more 10, money than sometimes Janu seemed. Remember, January 1st, everybody got a 10% bonus, a 10% mm -hmm. increase in their salaries across the board. Everybody. That's, I mean, that's a lot of money right there. They have a lot of employees. And then to sort of under the table be saying, do you want a couple of thousand, $100,000 just to kind of stay here for another year or so? That's going to add up, even maybe, for a big company like Google. Maybe Paige noticed this whole thing with revenue. They're like, okay, I'll tie the bonuses to something that we won't have to give out. Well, here's, Social the, thing. Strategy. here's the thing. Those decisions were all made when Eric Schmidt was CEO. Exactly. Now, it was a triumvirate. It's not like Larry Page didn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are Eric's revenue numbers. Right, what I'm saying is maybe for Paige, when he wants his numbers to look better next year or next quarter, it'll be, they'll be tied to that whole social aspect, which right. Google doesn't really do. He's also probably thinking long-term here. I mean, he's in the middle of a very big reorg at Google right now. Um, that might be, uh, for this earnings call, not looking so great to investors. And in a year, it'll seem like the smartest thing that Google ever did. Yeah, well, and they said, look, we're making plenty of money. We're not going to slow down our marketing efforts. Uh, they mentioned Chrome specifically, but they, they tried to play off the, the personnel costs saying those those aren't going to rise as fast as they did. I'm big, that's a big chunk of that 54%. And like you say, if uh, if their raises are tied to social and they have no social strategy, they won't have to give anybody any raises. The numbers look better. And the other thing is, if you look at these numbers in a vacuum, they still look really good. This was against the analyst projections. They didn't meet analyst projections. And that's why the stock market's reacting. Uh, but That and I think a little concern over that cost. Yeah. And the sort of flippant way the executives responded, like, nah, don't worry about costs. We got plenty of money. That'll be fine. That's, that's, always, that's always a bad sign when you hear that. Uh, also getting a uh, stock hit is RIM. Uh, they, they had a bit of a decline today. Not as bad. It was a temporary decline. Uh, but it, a lot of people were thinking this was in response to some really critical playbook reviews. Walt Mossberg of the Wall Street Journal dinged uh, the BlackBerry playbook. Uh, Boing Boing uh, had the headline from Rob Bashiza: RIM playbook tablet is the palm folio killer. Mm. Well, that's because uh, the RIM playbook cannot actually do email natively right now unless you use the web app, not web app, the uh, web mail. So that seems like a really big miss. Why would they even introduce the item without email? Because I don't think that they could wait any longer. Um, you know, they had, people have been waiting for the playbook. Tom's waiting for his still. It's, it's the yeah. strategy is that you use your BlackBerry for calendar tasks, email, uh, all of that stuff. And they don't include those apps separately on the playbook because you're just you're supposed to have a BlackBerry already, and this is this is for BlackBerry owners, mostly. Uh, so so that's the theory behind that. I, I talked to I, I talked to a, a guy theory, I talked though. to a guy from Rim about that. He's like, we're going to have email clients and calendar clients in the in the BlackBerry uh, app store for the playbook. The you will have them, and and like all of these things, everyone's dinging them, saying there's not a lot of apps available. If you remember when the iPhone app store launched. There were not that many apps available. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some. There weren't that many. Uh, when Android launched its app store, mar the marketplace g was even worse as far as app availability. Microsoft has no apps uh, virtually in their app store at, at launch. So it's not unusual for a new device to come out and have a limited number of apps in, in the app store. Right, but in this day and age, when you're competing against iPad, Android, and all this other stuff, you have to have something ready to go. Because if you want to make a dent... 
you you are competing against these guys. When Apple came out their app store, this wasn't a regular thing. These little Java applets you could have on feature phones, but this app store thing is completely the way to go with mobile devices. And to enter the game this late and not have a catalog of of awesome applications, including email ready at the beginning, seems just uh, a little dumb. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of odd that anyone who buys a playbook is expected to already be a BlackBerry owner. I mean, I know a lot of iPad owners, for example, who are not just Apple people. I mean, some people also have an iPhone, but many don't. They've just got the iPad, and it's not really tied to anything else. And you kind of expect that something that costs as much as it does should sort of be an all-in-one functioning device. I also don't think that, I mean, Tom, you mentioned that the uh, iOS store, uh, the App Store, started off small. Yeah, but there wasn't much to compete with. I mean, at this point, if you're if you're a developer and you're going to make an app that someone's going to enjoy on their playbook, well, why are you choosing that over the Windows App Store and the Android Store and the iOS Store? Are you going to do four versions? Well, that's a lot of work. I don't think the the playbook is meant to compete directly with the iPad. I think the playbook is meant to say to those who are maybe skeptical of the iPad and say, I don't see what the iPad is good for. It doesn't do what I need to do. This is to say to those users, hey, especially you BlackBerry users, here's a tablet that works for you because this thing is solid under the hood. With the yeah. QNX operating system, it has real multitasking where things continue to work when you move away from yeah, them. They don't just really pause. Well. Uh, and it's, it's, it's got a, a really great gesture design. A lot of people are dinging it too because the power button is a little wonky. You have to use your fingernail to turn it on to, mm -hmm. to activate the screen. But you don't have to use that. You can just swipe across. Uh, so, so it's pioneering in a lot of ways. If, and I understand this is a big if, they are able to come out with good clients to expand it to other people who don't have Blackberries, uh, expand that app store out for rather quickly, uh, and deal with the Flash implementation, which I hear is really buggy. It sounds like the battery life, uh, and Gadget got seven hours out of it playing a movie at medium brightness. Uh, that's pretty decent. It's not as good as the iPad, but it's pretty decent. Sounds like th this is a good piece of hardware for them. It, it, they can win or lose it in the next six months on whether they execute on all of these ifs. Uh, hardware aside, RIM has been historically a little slow to update their devices in general. So hopefully they have a strategy lined up already and they're already developing the next version. Because I'm pretty sure that when this is iterated, when there's the next version of the OS that gets uh, updated via firmware or whatever, that, that'll make it a lot better. It's kind of like uh, you know, the first version of the iPhone was all right, but once they're like, hey, you can install apps, it got better. Uh, mm -hmm. The hardware isn't bad. It's just that software isn't there. Yeah, I, I, it, it is really all about the apps that you can run because that's how you personalize the, the tablet and so on and so forth. I, th I think also a lot of the people who review this, even if they didn't say so outright, don't like uh, the smaller form factor. Um, some people just aren't going to be interested in an under 10-inch tablet, and that yeah. is going to skew the review a little bit because it feels unnatural to them. But, at least but it might be good for other people. Yeah, and this is also Wi-Fi only right now. I mean, they, they, they obviously have a longer-term strategy. They're getting the Wi-Fi one out there so people can buy it and try it. Uh, and, and the 3G, the WiMAX, the ones that you'll need a contract to buy will come out later. Let's move on to uh, Department of Justice and FBI working together with a nonprofit a company called Internet Systems Consortium to go beyond taking down command and control servers that do botnets. That's what Microsoft has done with some good success with Ruststock and a couple other botnets. They go after the command and control server. So essentially the malware is still on people's machines. The botnet is still out there, but it can't be operated because they take down the server that's controlling the botnet. 
Now, if someone were able to get that command and control server back up and running or mimic it somewhere else, all of those clients can be resurrected, right? They, they can be turned back on again. So what the DOJ and the FBI are doing with Internet Systems Consortium is creating their own command and control servers. Uh, they have installed this and gotten permission from uh, from a, a, a judge, I believe. Uh, the ISC has installed its own command and control servers. The command the servers are sending shut down the botnet malware. The servers were swapped out on Tuesday evening, and a kill command was sent. Now, it does not remove the malicious software. So the software is still there, but it stops it from running. So the next time you restart your machine, because it's Windows and you're going to have to, that piece of malware is going to launch again. Uh, but that command and control server then would send another kill the process command to it. it. You can't combat botnets by just going in and deleting it because you don't have the right to run unauthorized software on users' machines, even though you're a good guy, even though you're doing it in a good service. Uh, so they actually had to go get judicial approval to go this far and go after a botnet called CoreFlood. And the EFF is afraid that the government might go over, over the line because they're already uh, interfering, interfering with other people's machines. And you, as you were saying, they can't go in there and just remove the process. I mean, not the process. They can't remove the actual software. They just have to keep turning it off each time. I mean, the, the, the piece of uh, the botnet they're going after was stealing, I believe, financial information. So this is I mean, a pretty It was serious, pretty nasty, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it, the best thing we can tell you guys to do is simply... You know, run some scans, or if you're completely crazy paranoid, like some people I know, just, you know, wipe your whole OS, do a format. You, you, you may say, like, why can't they go and delete it? It's malware. I don't mind. I want, I want folks to come into my machine and get rid of the bad stuff. Well, that could be yourself, though. You can just go ahead and get your own scanning software and do that on your own. Uh, it's not really for the government to come in and save you on this one. Because what if they're wrong? What if they think it's malware and it's not? Yeah. Or what if they are saying they're going after malware and they're not? They're going after something else. I yeah, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, in the camp of yeah. Just come on in and and clean things come up. Come on, in, government. government. Once, no, once that doesn't sound positive. right. Uh, what, doesn't sound right. what they are doing here is they will capture IP addresses as these uh, as these uh, as the malware broadcasts itself back to the command and control server, and they're passing along those IP addresses to ISPs who then can match those IP addresses to users without letting the government know who they are mm -hmm. and send those users instructions, hey, you've got some malware on your system. Here's the uh, ma malicious software removal tool from Microsoft, and you can remove core flood from your machine that way. Cool. Well, pay attention to uh, the ISP's emails to you. All right. Uh, we have got... Spotify cutting back on the free, the PC market shrinking for the first time in a year and a half. We want to take a quick break and thank one of our sponsors, Squarespace, the fast and easy way to produce a high-quality website or blog. I know. I was just using it yesterday. We have a new episode of Sword and Laser up. And, uh, I, you know, it's so easy. You just I take my notes out of a Google Doc. I go into Squarespace. I paste them in. And then I just highlight the stuff that's links. I highlight the things that need to be bold. And boom. I've updated it. It's, it's, it's super simple to use Squarespace, and it's even simpler to get a good-looking website up and running uh, and, and just take a look at it, and you can see all the templates that they have, see all the modules that they have. Uh, you can add in Twitter. You can add in comments. You can add in news, all kinds of good stuff, and you don't have to take my word for it. Try it out for free at squarespace.com TNT. For a 14-day free trial, you don't have to use a credit card. They're not trying to trick you into paying them. 
Just go to squarespace.com slash TNT, uh, set up a new account or import. They've got an import module. You can bring in your data from another blog if you want to see how it would look in a Squarespace template. And I think you're going to like it. And we thank them for their support of Tech News Today. If you want to show your support for the show, give it a try. Squarespace.com slash TNT. Ah, yes. It is that time of year when free services start to go away. That, I guess that's at every time of year, all, all times of all years. But Spotify is cutting back on free music. Uh, we don't even have it yet in the United States. So there you go. All those people who write in and like, you only cover United States stuff. Well, we're not right but now. But for all the folks who do have Spotify service, um, they've been enjoying um, unlimited free, uh, well, not unlimited. Unlimited plays of individual tracks and then a limit of 20 hours a month. Right. That's not, that, that's a lot. I mean, you figure if you're a music lover, that's still, you're probably not that's going to That's why Spotify out. is so popular because you get free access. They've got something close to 10 million users. Only a million pay for the premium service because you can just listen to it for free and then they sell ads so they make money on the free service. Well, the problem is clearly Spotify um, overestimated how or underestimated how much people um, were going to be enjoying the free service because no one's really paying for it and the free service is ad supported, but that's not um, making the bills. So they've now cut down 20 hours of free streaming to 10. So cut it down in half. And put in a track limit. So you can listen to one track five times before it is banned from the free service, and you'd have to upgrade to one of the pay services. And I don't know about you guys, but if I love a song, I want to listen to it more than five times. Well, and they said, you know, most of you are using Spotify to sample things, and so seven out of every ten tracks you listen to will still be available after a year because you won't hit the limit. But that means 30% of your music is going to be walled off, mm -hmm. and it's probably, the, like you say, it's the music you like yeah. the most because right. you want to listen to it over and over. you listen to it over and over. That's how music goes. We've seen so many web services out there without a business plan, and they go, hey, we've got this great idea, and it's going to be great. You're going to use it. Everyone's going to use it. We've got a million, 10 million users, and then it just goes away because they don't have a business plan. If Spotify really is for music discovery, yeah, five times, you know, you heard a song five times, you either like it or you don't at that point, so you can go ahead and either pay for, own the song, or maybe even pay Spotify for that. I mean, they do have those options. I think there's like uh, 10 pounds, I think, for a monthly subscription for like all kinds of access, and you get ads removed. Uh, it's a good move to stick to, you know, to actually have a business plan, I think. I know it sounds a little crazy to say something like that, but you can always find music anywhere. But uh, I think There's some rumors that the music industry came to Spotify and said, you can't make money doing this. What? You're not selling enough advertising. You need to change this. And if you change it, maybe we'll play ball on the whole U.S. thing. Right. That's the whole thing. We've been talking about Spotify for what well, seems like forever, actually. When is it coming to the United States? When is it going to happen? And then there's been Mog, RDO, all these other services that you can use to get streaming music. And Spotify has always been kind of lingering in the back because they haven't had the right deals with the uh, music industry to come here. So maybe with this change, they'll finally come to the United States. But then again, will people want to use them with all these limitations? I think RDO is fantastic, but it's pay. You pay $5 a month for, for RDO. Uh, and so I think Spotify could come into the United States and just do a $3 a month service and do well. They wouldn't even have to give it the free version, although we all know about it, and so we'd probably bitch and not use it. I mean, it's some people in chat are like, but it's free. I mean, yeah, they're cutting down on your limits, but it's still free. What that's do you have to point. complain about? And that's totally true. That said, 
these are all business models that companies are trying out to try to get people from pirating music. Yeah. So these are your alternatives. You so compete like, with free with free. Exactly. So it's like when someone gets used to Spotify as the greatest new service ever, I'm going legit, they've got such a good model, it really works for me, and then all of a sudden, uh, a lot of what you like about it is cut in half or taken away from you entirely, it tends to make people upset. So... I, I see that they're backed into a corner here. They have to make more money or they're not going to uh, last much longer. But you're also pointing people in the direction of illegal downloads again. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. You're nudging them that way. Yeah. And, it, not, and it's not, not an excuse. It's no. not saying it's okay. But when it's when it's there as an option, you're going to have more people taking it right. up. It just it brings us a step back as far as a legitimate music service that people will use right. and pay for and enjoy. All right, let's uh, go through a couple of these stories real quickly because I want to get to the squirrel. Uh, PC market shrinks for the first time in six quarters. That's a year and a half. Gartner and IDC both had their numbers out today. IDC says the market shrunk 3.2%. Gartner is a little more optimistic. The, the way they count things, they only say 1.1%. Uh, however, in the United States, it was more pronounced. IDC says it shrunk 10% in the U.S., while Gartner says 6%. The only area of the world to grow the PC market was Asia. Uh, IDC has it growing 5.6% and Gartner 4.1%. Uh, so we're talking about PCs, which means desktops and laptops combined together, including netbooks, all in one, receding. Gartner's uh, Mikako Kitagawa says it's the iPad too. People are looking at a tablet and they're either buying it instead of buying a new PC or they're just deciding not to buy anything and wait and see how it goes. Maybe they'll get an iPad later. Bob O'Donnell from IDC says he doesn't think it's the tablets. Uh, he says the consumer market is just really complex right now. Pointed out the PCs last longer these days. People don't have to buy a new PC as often as they used to. Uh, and the new PCs out there really aren't that revolutionary. They're not the kinds of things to catch people's eyes. The other thing, this all depends on what the definition of a PC is, right? Now, if tablets are taking away sales of PCs, what are tablets? Are they personal computers? I mean, you could... Think of it in that way. What's the definition you want to use? Does it have to have a USB port? Does it have to have, uh, I don't know what, but I'm just thinking like a personal computing device. Maybe a tablet is one. And these numbers would be completely different that way. Yeah, so people to say have made that, that argument before. To say that tablets are stealing from something, it just seems like we're all using, we're still using technology. We're still using the same kind of Although even if you break these out between desktops and laptops, you still see a decline in laptop sales. Uh, while you see this huge booming market with smartphones and with tablets. So I think it is fair to say that people are buying that and they're not buying that. Although I don't think I agree completely with Gartner saying it's iPad 2. Obviously that played into it. But Tom, as you were saying, that people are either deciding to buy a tablet rather than a PC or just saying, I don't know how this is going. I want to hold off and see what my options are. Clearly, 2011, we're seeing a lot of other non-iPad tablets coming into play. Whether or not people are buying them in droves, we're, is you know will remain to be seen you know through the holiday season, but that's still contributing to people not wanting to plunk down a bunch of money for I don't know a, a, a reasonably expensive netbook or laptop or even desktop PC. Yeah, that was the explosion. It's, of, it's the tablet revolution and the explosion of smartphones. I mean, they can do a lot more than they used to be able to do. You can do a lot of things that you normally would look at a PC. I know tons of times you're on the couch, you check out your email on your phone or your iPod Touch or something like that. You're not necessarily pulling out a, a laptop to do this stuff anymore. So it, it's, it's all about what is a personal computer, I think. I, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of this stuff is like, PC numbers are, are, are shrinking. But it's like, well, what is a PC? It's, we're all using a lot of the same services that we've used for years. 
Things are changing, everybody. I, th I think it, I th think it still is interesting what kinds of PCs, even if you say everything is a PC, what kinds of PCs people are buying, what what form factors. Right. Uh, and I bet if you drill into those laptop numbers, you'll find that the the medium-sized laptops are probably still selling well. I'm just guessing. I may be wrong about that. But I'm guessing medium-sized laptops still selling well. It's desktop replacement sizes and smaller sizes that are not selling as well. And that's probably bringing down that laptop number. Because I see people buying laptops still. Right. And just the anecdotally. market, for example. Yeah. That, the bottom as we've seen tablet. is starting to, to fall out of that. People aren't wanting to buy these huge laptops as much anymore. Uh, but when they, when they do replace a, a desktop PC, a lot of times they replace it with a laptop. Securities analyst Brian White of Ticonderoga Securities uh, says Apple is moving towards offering a TV set of its own at a faster pace than the market expected and could have a product launch by the end of the year. Would Apple TV stop being a hobby if it came in a television? Oh, I certainly think it would. Um, that sounds like a full-fledged, full-time job. Do you think Apple would do that? No, well, yes, pun intended. Steve Jobs has actually said that people don't want to buy a little box and attach it to their TV. That's what he said about Google TV. He actually pretty much said the same thing about Apple TV because you have to always have this little box. And it seems like it makes a lot of sense just to integrate it into the actual display. If you think about it, the iMac, the TV tuner, it's a big TV. But then do you want it built into your television? I mean, I, I might be persuaded to buy a new Apple TV box at $99 or less every couple of years, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to buy a brand new $2,000 television every couple of years. You've got to figure Apple's television is going to be around that price. I feel like having everything built into a TV is a relatively new concept unless you're talking about the pre-cable days of right, rabbit Right, when, when your tuner was built in and yeah. then everything I mean, I've had a box TV. connected to my TV yeah. since I ha I've had cable. Well, it depends on what kind of services they actually integrate. So let's say you buy an Apple television and it has some kind of, now you have access to a subscription model with iTunes. That changes everything because if you just connect an Ethernet cable to it or Wi-Fi, this thing can do a lot more because they have access to iTunes library of media versus if you buy like a, a Vizio or something like that, you, don't, you have access to apps and things, but it's, it's the, the company behind it that can produce these, uh, this media. Well, you Apple's know what? Actually, now you're, now you're saying that, it's making me think. With AirPlay... Their, their pitch may be, look, this has a hard drive, uh, and, it, and it's got a network connection in it. Uh, so there's a limited uh, functionality, functionality we've been developing for Apple TV. There'll be apps that you can add or delete. We'll update the firmware on your television as it goes along. But you don't have to worry about constantly replacing your TV because where you're really going to get good use out of it is from the AirPlay apps on your iPad or iPhone, which we know we've tricked you into upgrading every year. Uh, and that, and that's where the flexibility comes in. So you don't feel like you're locked in. The other thing is, they're just—I mean, they make displays. Apple makes their cinema displays, and they obviously can get uh, LCD components. So it's not that far-fetched to imagine they could come out with a television. Uh, also, along with this story, another rumor about Apple that's out today is uh, the appearance of a weird string of code in the requirements of some iPad apps uh, in iTunes that says ix.mac.marketingname. And it has everyone speculating that maybe this is a new Apple product that's going to be coming down the line that'll have apps. Maybe, maybe Apple TV's finally getting the App Store. Maybe there's some brand new... You know what I think it is? I think it's good policy to create dummy strings because you know there will someday be new products. Yeah. And that some bugs surfaced these. But the fact that it's just called marketing name... Doesn't say much. Means that somebody very smartly created something that they're like, I don't know what it's going to be. But we're going to need that string. Marketing will tell us eventually yeah. when they decide on a name. Unless they've suddenly gotten really bad at naming their product. <laughs> <laughs> the iMarket. That's quite possible. That's actually not terrible. The uh, iMarket. For everything. Let's get <laughs> magical. Let's get to the squirrel now.
Uh, Watch the squirrel. YouTube today uh, will begin removing copyright strikes from certain users' accounts in certain limited circumstances contingent upon the successful completion of YouTube Copyright School as well as a solid demonstrated record of good behavior over time. So the way it works right now, if you get three takedown notices that you do not dispute uh, and, and, and you're, you basically admit you're guilty of, they will get rid of your YouTube account. But they know that sometimes maybe you got two copyright notices three years ago and you've been, a, you've been good behavior ever since, mm -hmm. and then you get a third one. They don't want to disable your account. So they've created this video with a cartoon squirrel mm -hmm. uh, that you can watch. It's like driver's school. You watch the video... You learn about copyright violations, and then you take a little quiz, and you can expunge, in some limited cases, you can expunge that strike from your record. Wow. It's like traffic school, but somehow copyright is a form more of patronizing. For original works of authorship, including literary, dramatic, musical, graphic, and audiovisual creation. Did he just throw up? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did a little bit. My goodness. I'll uh, see if I can skip forward here to get to the uh, fair use <laughs> section. Yes, yeah, so that, no, Ayaz and I were having a long uh, argument over whether this is bad or not, but they spend a lot of time telling you what not to do, and then when they get to the part about fair use where they can tell you what you can do, they just throw a bunch of words up on the screen and, and, and run through it really fast. Yeah, if you heard that, that was in double speed. And uh, if you're familiar with copyright law, you, those terms sound familiar. And I forgot to think about what the normal person would have heard, which is not me. Apparently, it would have been I mean, like, it sounds what are these like a car commercial mean? with all that stuff you don't listen to yeah. at, the, at the end because they don't actually want you to listen. Right. And basically, yeah. YouTube <laughs> is suffering from what we're all suffering from, which is the law is so messed up that you're like, you know what? You do have fair use rights, but nobody but a federal judge can really tell you what they are. So just pretend like you don't have any rights. Well, no, no, you'll be safer that uh, way. I quite enjoyed the entire tone of the video. It seemed like they were kind of poking fun at the whole copyright law. They say things like, that's the way the law works. And like they made sure that they are not responsible They're for like, the way stuff it's is. It's not our fault. It's, it, it might be copyright violation. We have no idea. Copyright's messed right. up. That's yeah. why we just made a little squirrel tell you about it. I mean, it's cute for children, but I just don't, I don't know. I, it's hard to take this seriously. Uh, and this is a serious topic. I mean, right. all joking aside, if you're yeah. supposed to learn something from this, I, I don't know if I'm going to sit through that video. For instance, representatives of Canada's media industry have approached the uh, federal broadcast regulator in Canada to ask it to consider regulating Netflix the way it does for traditional broadcasters. Because, you know, they, they don't really like the idea of competing with Netflix. So why wouldn't they? There's all kinds of serious copyright stuff going on. Uh, but you know what? If you can learn something from a squirrel, I guess that's better than learn learning nothing from a, from a squirrel. And if you really want to learn about copyright law, there's links everywhere on the web. Just do a Google search for it. Because this, this, this video is not the all-inclusive primer on IP law. No. Is it not? No. Please oh. stop. Okay. <laughs> do not think that. Good, good to know. Glad we have an attorney here. Ayaz, perhaps you could make a video that you could uh, submit to YouTube <laughs> about only IP be... law. Like, I was, fair use. We were talking about this. If they actually explain the amount of fair use examples, this video could balloon up to like 30 minutes. Uh -huh. And if you had to watch this video before you get one of these X's removed or strikes removed, that could be a problem. All right, let's move on to the news views. Can I views. just say something about this? Uh-oh. Yeah, sure. I have a strong opinion about it. Oh, okay. Yes, please. I think this is an example of how YouTube is in the pocket of content creators and Hollywood. They've become a gatekeeper. And it's a big issue for us, for instance, for YouTube Live because we aren't on YouTube Live because your show and Twit have these strikes 
which we didn't defend because they're news shows and we didn't really care very much. So we, I'm sure, have more than three strikes. So this stupid video isn't accurate, really. It's the, it's the copyright holder's point of view. It excludes certain uses such as fair uses that we believe we have and any lawyer would say we do have. Well, it doesn't right exclude them, but it definitely makes it short shrift. Downplays them. them. Yeah. So I, I really believe this is an example of YouTube in the, in the pockets of Hollywood. And it isn't, in fact, in our interest. So it, it kind of irritates me a little bit because we're kind of left out in the cold here and we don't have a good defense. And as John pointed out, we looked at the, how to fight these takedowns. You've got to be a lawyer to fight a takedown. And uh, so, anyway, thank you. Sorry. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> this is Leo Laporte. Reporting. <laughs> you know, Leo, you should have said, I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> you just got Taylor Swifted. Yeah, that's okay. IP laws, the worst of all time. On to the news views. The FCC has announced it has begun a review of the AT&T T-Mobile merger. In order for the deal to go through, the merger has to pass the requirements of the Communications Act as well as FCC rules. If that goes well, then the question becomes whether the deal is in the public interest. You can read the FCC public notice at your leisure at the FCC site. Separately, the Department of Justice must also evaluate the merger for antitrust violations. Safari will get a little bit more private, and we may be on our way to a do-not-track standard. Apple's added Mozilla's do-not-track option to Safari in the new dev version of Lion, i.e. and Firefox already have this option, but Chrome has a different method for do-not-track of its own. At this point, come on, Chrome, get with the Mozilla program. Come on. Why not? Everybody's doing it. Be cool. Comcast 105 megabits per second Xfinity broadband service is a go. Although upload speeds don't didn't get a tweak and remain a, at a relatively anemic 10 megabits per second. So what does all this speed cost? About $105 a month for the first year if you get one of Comcast bundled plans. More if you just want internet. And $370 a month if you're a business customer. Oh yeah, don't forget that there's still a 250 gigabyte cap on Comcast data, which means if you get max speed at about five hours, you'll reach your cap. $370 a month for business. Uh, in an interview with 60 Minutes airing this Sunday, Paul Allen says his new book is not an act of revenge against Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, but rather meant to serve as a record of what happened. Allen said he feels it's an important piece of technology history, and he should tell it like it happened, and he hopes people understand and respect that. He does, however, say he expects a heated discussion with Gates about it someday. E3 is coming up in June, and Nintendo may be launching a new console, according to Game Informer. The next Nintendo box is rumored to offer HD, might be the equal to, or maybe even surpass the 360 and PS3 in capabilities. That would also make the rumored price uh, cut to the Nintendo Wii make a little bit more sense. Uh -huh. So we're, you know, where it's all rumors, but the plot, it's thickening. Mm -hmm. I like, like a good thick plot. Like your reduction sauce. Or pea soup. Yeah. How much would you pay for Twitter? Apparently, last fall, Facebook tried $2 billion for it. Google offered $10 billion. Microsoft pondered an offer but didn't bother. And considering Twitter isn't owned by any of these companies, uh, we're pretty sure you figured out how these deals went down. Nobody bought them. Nope. If you want to use Internet Explorer 10, you're going to need Windows 7. Microsoft has drawn a line in the sand, said the final versions of IE 10 will not run not only on XP, which you might have expected, but they won't run on Vista either. A Microsoft spokesperson suggests that IE 10 is best suited for modern operating systems, which implies that Microsoft now classes Vista right along XP as not being a modern operating system. So there you go. You're running an ancient mod operating system if you're one of those Vista fans. Didn't you listen to our 
caller from the other day. Not a hammer. If you make fun of Vista, I didn't make fun. We'll get the rap. I make Microsoft no fun. Made He's fun. gonna call back. Let the rumors about Apple's cloud services restart. Apple just picked up Kevin Timmons from Microsoft. At Microsoft, Timmons was the GM of data center services. Before that, he was over at Yahoo, where he also took care of their data centers. Odds are that at Apple, he'll end up working in the cafeteria or taking care of cloud things. We're starting a cloud cafeteria no, or something. Not. We want cloud services at Apple. Just make it happen, Timmons. Come on, We're Timmons. on you. Do it, Timmons. Cloud Do it, it now. Up. Yeah. Cloud it up. Love All right, uh, we have some sad news. Uh, Verizon uh, has announced that they will be moving on f in their campaigns from the Verizon guy. No! Officially known as Test Man. No! Wait a minute, wait, wait, his name wasn't Verizon guy? No, he was, he was uh, in the scripts, he was known as Test Man. Oh. Uh, but based on tales he recounted to the Atlantic, uh, that may be a good thing as Paul... The guy's name is Paul. Once heard someone at a, uh, at a funeral for his grandmother say, can you hear me now? <laughs> That's horrible. That Wait, were they the making house. a joke? Yes. Oh, I As see. As her body was being lowered into the grave. That would... Maybe anyway. It, it, he wanted uh, to get his life back. back. We have here the very first appearance of Test Man in a Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? You no. know, I think this guy's got a, 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 a big Good. career ahead of him. Go, Paul. He's not just test man. He's going to be on Big Bang Theory. He's going to be the crazy neighbor who's kind of deaf. And they're always like, why can't you hear me? Is that true? <laughs> and that'll no, be the jumping right. shark <laughs> moment. <laughs> Poor guy. He's so typecast now. But you know what, Paul? We'll always be able to hear you. We'll always be able we'll to hear, hear you, you now. In our forever. hearts. All right, let's move on to the calendar. Oh, wait. No, wait a minute. Oh, oh, <laughs> I forgot. I'll take that back. Un-calendar. Un We'll move on to the calendar in a minute. Bizarro Thursday continues. I want to thank FreshBooks for their support of TNT. If you're a small business owner, consultant, or freelancer, you know that invoicing is no fun, that it's desultory, that it hurts your heart, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can make invoicing light and happy like a little bird. I know this because I've done it. I've done it both ways. I had to invoice a speaking engagement the old-fashioned way. And it, it, it turned my night black. It made my heart sink. It made me weep to do it myself. And then I tried it the FreshBooks way, where all I did is I put in the name of my client, and then it took care of creating the invoice and sending the invoice and sending the payment reminders, even accepting the payments by PayPal or Visa or however you want. All of a sudden, dawn broke. Bird sang. Light came into my heart again. You think I'm kidding. I'm only kidding this much. Invoicing's a pain in the ass. You know that. Uh, and yes. FreshBooks really does make it easy. Uh, why not give them a try? Absolutely free. Go to FreshBooks.com. You can enter up to three of your clients without paying a dime just to see how it goes. Uh, and they have good affordable plans after that if you need to use it for more clients. Tell them TNT sent you too. And uh, FreshBooks might send you a free birthday cake. doesn't even have to be your birthday to win one. So check it out. Go to FreshBooks.com. Be sure to tell them that you heard about it on Tech News Today. Okay, now we can have the calendar. Yay! Twitter users got a new option on iOS today called TweetBot. In fact, it started rolling out to people last night. The app is getting a lot of praise around the web for its clean interface and its ability to use lists for timelines. Tom's a big fan of that. It's kind of odd timing, though, for a Twitter client, considering that in March, Twitter said that in its API terms of service, it doesn't want to see any no, more basic Twitter. Twitter apps out there. It's one ninety nine in the App Store, so it's not free. I actually am not as big of a fan as you are, but I don't know. Maybe it'll grow on me. I guess, uh, I mean, judging by 
some of the reactions from people. It's it's a welcome change from what they already had to choose from. Mozilla has kicked up Firefox 5, kicks off. They haven't kicked out Firefox 5. Uh, faster release release schedule in the works. April, uh, April's Acer's Windows powered. I'm sorry, I'm so used to being a bird, but now I'm like, I have to be a person again. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's hard. Acer's Windows powered Iconia W500 is $549 and shipping today. The T-Mobile G2X is priced at $200 and coming online today. iOS 4.3.2 is now available to download, and it fixes some stuff like that iPad 3G issue. Yeah, yeah the Verizon people were having Weird right? FaceTime <clears throat> photos didn't make any sense, so that's all getting patched up. Samsung's 11.6-inch Series 9 lands at Amazon Ooh, for pre-order at... Pretty. 1,149 bones. Slim and pretty laptops. On April 16th, uh, which is Saturday, Foursquare Day has been declared in New York City. Does that mean we should all check into New York City even if we're not there? I don't really know what it means. I guess people in New York will I get be extra obnoxious on Foursquare on Saturday. Woohoo. Woohoo. Like that's something new. Whatever. All those people from Queens are annoying. E, the Asus E-Pad Transformer is coming at the end of this month. It'll be $399 for a 16-gigabyte um, unit and $149 for the dock. The white iPhone 4, my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, is reportedly being released in the next few weeks. Oh, this is an old the calendar item from a year ago, isn't it? Yeah. It's oh, like, wait. No, it isn't. It's, it's, a, it's just a 10-month delayed. It's really coming this time, Sarah. Oh, really? I'm sure, oh, I'm sure of this it. I'm sure pumpkin. in a few weeks I'll be getting yeah. myself... Totally. A white iPhone Linus. 4, I'm sure. It is. Uh, Intel's saying USB 3.0 is coming in 2012 with Thunderbolt. Um, <laughs> specifically, Kirk uh, Scougan, of vice president at the Intel Architecture Group, said Intel is going to support USB 3 in 2012, and we're going to support Thunderbolt capacity too because we believe they're complementary. All right, a really quick email uh, from Frank, who sent along uh, some quotes from Claire Curran, an MP for New Zealand's Labor Party. This is regarding the three strikes law that they pushed through under urgency while considering bills for earthquake relief. Uh, she says, in defense of it, uh, she's a member of the Labor Party in New Zealand. The government's bottom line was to have termination in the bill. That means cutting off people's Internet access. Ours, meaning the Labor Party, was to not support it. The compromise position was to leave it in, but required the minister to put what's called an order in council into effect to switch it on. This is very unlikely to happen. The onus is now on the creative industries to prove there is a case to terminate access and that the notice system is not working. Rather than oppose it outright, we preferred to compromise we preferred to compromise to ensure New Zealanders are not denied access to the internet. Now you can we can argue all day long about whether they should have opposed it anyway. I kind of think they should have. Uh, but she's saying it is unlikely that people would actually get their internet cut off. Small consolation. Uh, account suspension does remain in the bill, though, and could theoretically be used in the future by, but any minister who implements termination will, of course, have to face the public wrath against this bill that it faced when it was put through public debate the first time it was proposed. Uh, evidence before the select committee strongly indicated that sales of music and movies on the Internet were going up, not down, and that the industry remains viable and strong if needing to change the way it distributes material. Well, if they thought that, why'd they pass the dang thing in the first place? I don't know. But anyway, uh, so termination, not quite as for sure as we may have thought yesterday when we first saw this story.
We'll, we'll keep an eye on this one. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching Tech News today. You can find us on the web, twit.tv slash TNT. You can give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW. Leave us a voicemail. Keep it under 30 seconds. Make it make it really brief and to the point, and you have a shot of having it played on the show. But we do listen to all of them, uh, whether they're brief and to the point or not. And you could also email us, TNT at twit.tv. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, I.S.'s